Before we begin the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Actimet, an athlete wellness and performance monitoring system. Actimet allows players to share their training load, training intensity and highlight issues away from sport, empowering management to help players in a safe, secure and private manner. Players input their performance and wellness data on an easy-to-use mobile app. Actimet is an affordable monitoring system at less than €50 a month and is currently used by county and All-Ireland champions and over 50 soccer academies worldwide. For more information, please visit actimet.com for more. Welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 86, I'm delighted to be joined by former professional rugby player and now CFL kicker Tyg Leader. On this episode, we discuss his mentality, switching to American football, being a trailblazer and creating his own path, his NFL dreams, and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Tyke. Thanks a million for joining me on the podcast. How's it going? Cheers. Thank you very much. Looking forward to, to chatting. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving yourself a little bit of an elevator pitch to the listeners who might not know who you are? Yeah. Um, short version from Galway um played rugby all my life and kind of progressed through that system in in Ireland um and then got injured and that let, gave me the opportunity to go play um to go move to the states to study uh d- went there got my degree done and then professional rugby rolled around in America so I ended up playing that and then I ended up playing for the US national team over like a five or six year period uh, COVID comes along and in rugby kicking was always my biggest asset say and uh, people in the US obviously American football is quite quite a popular sport so people always encourage me to give American football a go uh, over the last year I've been doing that and I just in the last few days signed to play in the Canadian Football League which is yeah the NFL's number one and the CFL's number two so I'm getting to play you know in a pretty pretty big league now in American football as a kicker so there's a short version for you if I had gone back to kind of teenage uh, Tig and said you're going to be a kicker for NFL, what would you, what would you have said to me? Oh, I I would, I would have been absolutely thrilled. But it's something I it's something I uh, I mean playing I love rugby, but I love kicking more. Um, so yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Um, so it's something I tell myself every day, and I'm kind of whatever writing things down, kind of kind of sorting out my headspace is uh, remind myself like. <laughs> how happy would 10-year-old Tyg be that this is what you're doing? <laughs> and I just turned 30 two days ago, believe it or not. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Happy birthday. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a, it's a tough one to hit, but ah, I'm I'm happy. I'm feeling good and I'm doing what I love. So, you know, that's uh, I'm happy enough. Why kicking for you? You mentioned you kind of, prefer, you know, you obviously love rugby. I know your family's a huge rugby background, but why kicking? Why, what was, what's the big kind of uh, thrill there for you? Um... So I have two brothers and we're all within five years of each other in age. Uh, so I'm a bit of space here at the house. So just just kicking rugby balls, soccer balls, Gaelic football, whatever. Just just love kind of just kicking around. And then, uh, and, you know, got really lucky having brothers and having space because, you know, we, we could always just go outside and have a kickabout or play hurling, whatever, um, basketball, whatever, the, whatever was going on, we we're just happy to go out and play. So through that um myself my other brother dara he you know he played just under 100 games for connacht and was in an Ireland squad a few years ago so he had a really good career himself in rugby and he was a very good kicker um so we just we were just fortunate just through like we, we just spent so much more hours practicing it and then obviously if you're good at something you enjoy it you spend more and more time doing it so um i often say like i remember getting from santa when i was like 10 years of age getting kicking tees and rugby balls and just spending Christmas day going to the rugby pitch kicking. Like, so I just I love that. So yeah, that's, that, um, that's kind of, I guess how it started. And then thankfully you've been, been kicking ever since. And how do you develop a routine? Uh, I'd say it was around probably that teenage years when you, you know, you take sport very seriously and you said you got started to get good at it, start to develop a routine in terms of the your just as you're kicking not potentially with your practice but how do you develop that for any a lot of younger listeners particularly from a GEA point of view that are big or heavy involved in free taking so how did you develop your your free taking routine in, in terms of rugby yeah um did, did watching others uh, really uh, on tv watching and like I love football or Gaelic football um 
like that was probably my, my best sport. I loved it. And I used to take the freeze and stuff. And I would just be just watching others. Um, probably the biggest thing, you know, whoever was good at the time, you know, uh, playing inter-county, you probably would have tried to mimic some of what they were doing in rugby, for example, a guy called Johnny Wilkinson. He was like probably the, the, the best kicker of all time. So whatever Johnny Wilkinson was doing, you know, I, I was doing it. And even to this day, some of some of my kind of stance and pre-kick uh, routine was, you know, just from watching him on TV and then you kind of, you know, develop it into your own stuff. So I'd say from watching, watching others and trial and error was probably the biggest thing. And beyond that, I wouldn't have put a whole lot of kind of formal thought towards um, the process, like the intern, the process and the breathing and the self-talk. And there are things then that come with experience um, the more you do. And now in the world of American football, where all I do is kick, you realize you have a more kind of robust system in place for yourself um but that's kind of how it would have happened for me as a younger age and you try and error just get out and doing it and see what you like see what you don't like um but i love what you said there about kind of developing systems and kind of when you get that your experience so how has your routine and your systems evolved particularly over the last few years maybe moving to to a new sport or have you kept everything kind of similar obviously it's different it's a very different sport and different role but have you kept any uh, similarities from rugby um I guess the, the kind of the, the pre-kick, well, I guess if a rugby edge is so much more um, controlled because, you know, it's just you and the ball and you have time to set it up and, you know, take take up to 60 seconds. Whereas in American football, you have 1.3 seconds and you have someone else holding it. So you have a lot more variables at play. Um, but just in terms of just, just pre-kick, in terms of you want to be as consistent as possible. So like for me, that just, you know, you have your routine in terms of your alignment. Um, in terms of your steps, the angles that you're there. And then once you get back into your stance in either sport, then just kind of tapping into your routine, whether well, the routine's already begun at that point, but um, then into your mental side of things, your, your breathing, how, you, how you're kind of controlling that um, and your, your self-talk. You know, a lot of people have different little triggers that they might kind of you know, tell themselves as, they, as they're going through that routine. Um, so that's something I use in rugby, but I've definitely become much more aware of it in American football because the stakes are just higher because you're only on the only time you enter the pitch is for that 1.2 seconds. So everything you do is aimed to that. Whereas in rugby kicking was just one component of, you know, a bigger picture. So I think now I've become much more aware of my process and more reading, more understanding of like how it can be such a good anchor for you to have that, uh, have that routine, have that comfort. So you can just like, just trust in that versus uh, if you have too many things going on or you don't have a good kind of foundation, you're, I think it's more likely something, something might crack along the way. So yeah, that's kind of how football has definitely helped a lot and I've learned a lot more about it. Would you mind taking us through from the moment you know you're going to enter the pitch for that 1.2 seconds to you actually kicking the ball? Can you take us through kind of what happens, your thought process, how you go through your systems, if you don't mind sharing that on a public domain? Yeah. Um, again, I'm still relatively new in the sport as well. I've only played like, I think, 10, 11 games. Uh, but no, I, I think, you know, it starts once once they, once they they we score or we kind of get it in football, there's four downs. Once it kind of is coming to the third down, if they don't make if they don't make that, I know I'm probably up next. So, that, you know, it just starts with, um, for me, I just kick one ball and there's a net on the sideline. I just kick one ball into the net just because I could be sitting down for an hour prior waiting, you know? So just about getting one ball into the net and just really focusing on how does that just feel it on your foot is a, is a big thing for me is a little trigger I use just to, to focus on getting that knuckle of your foot. Just do once, hopefully it feels good. If it doesn't, you might do a second just so you're kind of entering the pitch with that kind of sensation of, of what you want the ball to feel like. And then once, and then, and then you got to find your way up the pitch through like 60 lads who are all screaming and shouting and you're just there breathing, maybe sipping water, just trying to meander around them. So you, you don't have time to get caught up in all that emotion. It's like liking it to golf. And as a golfer, like you, you need to be very Zen. Everyone else is around you. It can be a bit chaotic, but the role that we have. So for me, then just instantly, I'm just, I'm just looking, I'm just kind of focusing on my breath. Um, just very deliberate breathing and that, that's something. So then, you know, that, that just takes my focus to the, to, to like literally the present moment and what I'm doing. So that's just breathing as, and then once it's time to go on, uh, usually just try and be as remain as relaxed as possible. So it's a walk on or a very slow jog, not looking to get my heart rate up too high. Um, 
and you know in that at that time you're you're scanning you're obviously well aware of the elements because you're watching throughout the game you're looking at the flags or the whatever's going on but you're probably just checking in the elements one more time making sure you're happy um and then kind of once you you have a spot they call it you know where the where the guy is holding the ball spot um, and then once you know I just get my foot lined up because the ball's not there that's the difference in rugby the ball is there and you control the angles you place it at whereas you you know I'm I'm lining myself up just based off a guy's finger on the ground which is to kind of be an indicator as this is where the ball should be in like seven eight seconds once we get going here wow. uh, yeah so that was different and what I've learned now with football is you have a shot clock uh, ticking so in rugby I take my time what I've learned now in football you don't really have the the luxury of time so for me, uh, it's, 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 it's automatic now, I guess, for the most part. But again, it's just kind of breathing, taking my three steps back and then just giving myself some one or two little positive affirmations, um, depending on my change, but just something to um, just to kind of almost just sitting like you put yourself in a good headspace to go attack the moment that's going to happen. Um, and, you know, all that would happen, happen over like six, seven seconds. You're kind of getting back and you're breathing relatively quick and then once you kind of, I just shift the weight forward on my feet to on my tippy toes, which is just kind of saying, okay, now we're about to go. And then I just nod at the fella who's should be catching the ball. And once I give him a nod, he then acknowledges that. And then within 1.3 seconds, you're, 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 you're just, you're swinging a leg out of ball. So um, yeah, that's kind of as much as, as much as I'm, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. And how do you find it in terms of uh, throughout your rugby career and now with American football, dealing with the pressure of being a kicker? Like even you said, you're only on the field for a very, very short amount of time in American football. And even let's say it's a close game or you knew this was a really crucial kick in any sport. How do you deal with that pressure? Are there any tips you can give to someone listening that maybe struggles with that kind of scenario or that environment? Yeah, and and that's and that's something I'm still working on. And I've had days where I've gone on in those moments and scored, and I've had days where I've gone on in those moments and missed. Um, a big thing that I've kind of using for for learn, like ideally you want to be as consistent and in routine as possible. So, like I said, that's kind of my routine. And ideally, if if that's if you're pretty happy with that and you're comfortable with that, you can just kind of sink into the routine and and not really be aware of the externals or the moment. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. Easier said than done um i'm just big i'm just really big on self-talk if, if i do find my my headspace kind of go oh sh- this is this is to win or whatever this is this is a big kick just trying to again easier said than done but just talk about treat it as any other kick and then just 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 focus on you know have having that those thoughts aren't really they're not doing nothing for it some people might get excited other people mightn't um depends how you want to react to that pressure but, but for me it's more so around just like trusting myself um, and trusting that my 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 routine and that that's gonna get that's, that's gonna get me there because like how many hours do you spend in on a pitch on your own kicking and working on these things you know like that's that's where you lay that foundation so when the lights are on the cameras are on you that's a, that's kind of irrelevant um and th- that's that definitely has come with with uh years of of doing this or years of, of doing it in rugby and, and now football and I'm still learning in football because I know it's going to be different when I'm up and in Canada because the field is slightly different dimensions to what I'm used to. So I have to get used to those things. But um, yeah, I, I, my biggest thing is, is, again, I've said it probably 20 times already, but it really is around like I, I deliberate breathing. And this that just takes, if you're focusing on your inhale, exhale, you know, that's where your headspace is at. Your headspace isn't on the, the, the external pressures. So that's something that I like to, to rely on a lot. Um, and, and it definitely helps me then just, yeah, it just shifts your attention to what's the moment in front of your face versus what's going on around you. Love it. Speaking of shift in mindset, um, it's interesting whether in GEA, let's say a free take or basketball, when you're taking a free throw, they're team sports, but it's a very individual moment in time. And as you mentioned, let's say when something goes well or maybe something doesn't go well and there's a, you know, you miss the kick. How do you deal with those moments where you're in a team environment but it's your individual role or your individual event that hasn't gone well in a team environment. How do you deal with that? Yeah, that, and that's something, again, that is, is constantly ongoing. And, it, you know, I, I definitely tell myself, you know, if, if it doesn't go according to plan, okay, what's happened has happened, but the, the next opportunity I get, I'm not going to be fearful of it and I'm not going to just kind of, you know, the other when you're kicking, for example, you can just try and like chip it through 
and just to play it safe or you can really attack it and get after it and like bang it um i do for me it's kind of like if if it doesn't go over some kickers when they go into their shell that's when they get nervous and then they're just trying to chip it through and just play it safe uh, the reason the reason you're there is because you're good at it so and you're best at it when you go attack the moment so for me it would be if, if i've missed I've, and I've, I've missed kicks for sure everyone's missed kicks but i've missed kicks and it's just something i started in american football actually is i uh second i come off the pitch i write down what happened in my head when it's fresh i write down whether it's something physical or something mental um a lot of time it's usually and even if a kick goes wrong but i approached it i really attacked the ball i can live with that um or i've had one or two kicks where i probably played it safe and it didn't go over and they're the ones that you struggle with a lot so I've been kind of learning just to do a quick kind of breakdown of what just occurred and see is there any learning opportunity within that or what decipher what didn't go right. And if, if it was something physical, whether me or the guy placing the ball, yeah, that, that happens the odd time. Um, but then also if it was something mental, maybe I left my process or I might have had whatever kind of talk going on. You just try and... Um, just recognize it and then just kind of tell yourself, you know, you're going to get another shot at this and you, you, you got to go attack it because you don't have time for playing it safe, especially being a new sport. And I'm very untraditional. So like, I know if I, play, yeah, if I play it safe, it's, it's, it's probably not the best path for me. So I'm either, I'm just trying to I'm like, it's going to go wrong. I'm going to go out and burn flames versus kind of just disappearing into the background. That's, that's the way I look at it. And same for rugby or football, like trust that you're, the reason you're given the responsibility, the reason why in the team sport you're given this individual moment is because you're, you're, you're the one that's ready for this. You're the most qualified to do this. So trust, trust yourself within that and go, go after the moment versus kind of play, play a little bit safe because that's usually when errors happen. I love that. Uh, I was interested, you mentioned they're taking notes. Uh, is that just during misses or do you, would you take notes, let's say if a kick goes well, you put it over? Yeah, uh, everything. Um, because I have time, so obviously in rugby I never did that. But I've I've had so many learning moments in football that I need to I need to almost like just have a bit of dialogue. Um, so after a game, I can figure out, you know, oh this this went well because or this didn't go well because. So it's just for me and this I just because in football I have time to go over to the sideline and uh, sit down. So I just get out my pen. Um, I, I basically two years ago I started journaling, writing every day. And then when I got into football, I just, you know, before games, I have a lot of um, pre-game thoughts or kind of little mental triggers. So yeah. before going on the on the pitch for each kick, I might, you know, have a little, have a little read of that. Um, and, you know, their messages I talked. So in, something I started to do now is I, I talk to myself as if I'm, as if I'm the coach, meaning sometimes we can be a little bit hard on ourselves, but I know, when I, I, I coach rugby and I do coach people that I know more often than not, um, your, your, your dialogue is more positive with the athlete, with the player. Um, where sometimes in, as an individual thing, you, you might, you might be a little bit harder on yourself. So I've switched my, I talk to myself as if I'm the coach. Um, and I, that, that's allowed things to be a lot more kind of positive. Um, and I've really, I've, I've liked that a lot. Um, I'm not sure where I picked that up, but it's, it's something that I've been doing. And then, as I said, I just have my notepad then so I can read my triggers um and then you know once something happens then i'm just getting just getting a message down as to what it was so yeah it's it's actually been a helpful process i appreciate you can't do that in every sport or i guess you could do it after the game or you know free game which i don't know people i'm sure they do but uh for me it's, it's just been a way just to to learn just to learn quicker i guess i really like that method you said there where you're because it's always that internal dialogue there's a great saying even um, you know, if you're in, it's a voice in your head is being really negative. Like, would you speak to your best friend in that way? No, because they wouldn't put up with it. And I really like that version of the coach because you're right. And as a player and as a coach in a different sport, it w- I would have a similar individual mindset in terms of playing. I'd be very, very hard on myself. And as a coach, I see other players do it. But I really like that trick. In terms of your journaling, what was the spark to start journaling even outside of sport? And do you have a specific structure? Or do you just kind of put pen to paper? Um. Yeah, I, as I said, probably like two, two I guess COVID, or I guess COVID two years ago, um, the start of that or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what, what the initial catalyst, catalyst was. Um, oh, around a year and a half ago, sorry, around a year and a half ago when I started, when I first started kicking American footballs for fun with no intention of 
what's happening, what has happened about, to, you know, I didn't expect the path I've, and the journey I've gone on since, since I first kicked. Uh, that was probably a little bit of a catalyst just to kind of remember the, the journey. So if it has taken the route, thankfully it has taken, I think a, it's been cool to have that to reflect upon it. Um, so maybe that might've been part of how I started. Uh, but, but in terms of a process, I generally just try and do it every night. Um, and it's, some days it could be almost just a synopsis of the day. Um, other days it could be a lot more mental, like what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. Other days it's, I say on average, it's probably a bit of both. Um, if it wasn't a too stressful day or if it wasn't nothing too major was happening, it might be more of a synopsis day just because I probably haven't been thinking that deeply. Whereas other days when there's a lot more happening, I'd probably uh, check into that a little bit more. And yeah, it's just something I've been, I mean, it got to be a year and a half um, just in the afternoons and, I like it a lot. I was hopping the bus yesterday, coming back from Dublin to Galway. And, you know, I was just flicking through. I just went to a random page for a few months ago. And it's really nice, you know, sometimes to kind of read the things you were telling yourself, even when I could only, I was really, I was hoping to find myself in the situation I do, but I, I felt like I was a million miles away from it. So it's just, but it just kind of, a lot of the time is that positive dialogue with, your, with myself. Um, so it was, it was even fun yesterday, just kind of reading and thinking, oh, this is great. I, like there I was six months ago wondering what the hell am I doing at times but then kind of tell myself to keep on this and you know someone has to be a pioneer and someone has to do this it's got, someone, someone's going to do it eventually why not me um, and then things of that nature so yeah brilliant so you mentioned your journey there you have a really interesting path um, I know underage rugby was always your number one I know 2011 you're part of the Connacht under 20 Grand Sam winning team and you were kind of in and out of Irish teams as well what's it like going through that system going through the Connacht system, the Irish system from a young age. And I know that you then moved to the States, but what's that kind of initial start, like representing your country, being involved in the high performance environment? Yeah, well, we, we had an interesting one. Um, we mean there was a around eight of us that were brought in. We were like 15. Um, and I remember training full time in the summers, uh, like every day of the week uh, for like a few months, school holidays, we were doing it. And you know, a few lads in that group have gone on to play for Ireland. They've gone on to do a lot. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, there's, it was like a good group of players, I think eight of us. But anyway, um, in hindsight, maybe I think when I got to the tail end of my time at Connacht, I felt quite burned out and I felt like I had been there for six, seven years. Or in actual fact, I'd only been in the seat, you know, the kind of seat, I was in the academy, but training with the senior team for like two years probably. But I felt like I'd been there for six or seven be- because you know, I got exposed to it really early. And even when you're 15, um, yeah, we're, we're in training full time, which is good to get you into high performance thing. And I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was, uh, it was what I wanted to be doing. It was very happy. Um, but in hindsight, I, like, as I said, when I, when, I, when I was only like 21, 22, I was kind of thinking, well, wow, I've been here for ages. I've been in this building for years. Um, and that was just me, but it was a really good foundation, but it, to be exposed to like, professional sports at, at that age um, and it means you're you know, my lifestyle was quite different in terms of school holidays you're training um, summers I uh, summers training full-time you're not going away to people going off for j1s or different trips you're not doing any of that I had to stop playing hurling and football um, I love love that but I don't have to have stopped doing all those things to kind of really focus and I've, I'm, I have had phenomenal experiences so I hope I don't come across as that was a yeah, reflecting on it, reflecting, just reflecting on it. Um, it was, yeah, that was just kind of how it was for me. But when I was in it, I loved it up until maybe the last year and a half when the body starts breaking down. Uh, up to that point, absolutely loved it. So it was, it was a class, it was a class experience. And again, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be sitting here chatting with you with kind of the background I've had and where I'm at if, if I didn't get those opportunities. So yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm not sure, does it still happen that young or not? Because um, I think as well, you need to make time for the sports time for your social life and just uh you know yeah that was kind of how how I went about it mm-hmm. I understand you obviously did love it in the moment and even you mentioned there the injury sometimes that is a catalyst for athletes that you know that may enter burnout is a an injury when they realize they're not you know flying fit it's a lot of work to go back to that level hey what advice would you give I'm a coach you mentioned you you coach how do we prevent burnout in any age group it can happen to anybody even adults who are playing for fun how do you how do you try prevent burnout as a coach is there anything that you, you've kind of realized or you've kind of taken from your playing experience as a coach I was probably more aware of even working with some teams that be more 
kind of high performance to more social teams. But even with the high performance side of things, trying to create like as much fun as often as possible, you still have objectives you need to go achieve with the high level teams um, and performance is your currency, you know, to a degree. So, but like you know, just 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 fitting in, just fitting in like opportunities for smiles, opportunities for laughter, um, is something that that uh, yeah, that I'm just very aware of when I coach. I want to make sure that because I probably got to a point, I definitely got to a point where I wasn't smiling, and I wasn't laughing, and I was you know got then I was just like I don't want to be here. Um, so that's something as a coach that I'm trying to do, and I appreciate that in different environments, especially in professionalism. I understand like, um you know, why it is how it is. But I will say, I do think it's gotten much better as well. In, in rugby, I do think now, you know, we I just finished, I uh, did a master's degree, I just finished it a few weeks ago. And it was like MBA, just general business stuff. But, you know, reading about that and all the stuff that's going on in business and the leaders in business, now it is a lot more about the human and like, you know, making the human feel valued. And then as a result, they're obviously more, you know, emotionally more invested uh, and in the organization or whatever it is they're doing. Um, and more likely to perform and less turnover and people are happier, morale's high, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think as well in rugby teams or professional sports or any elite elite sports, I I do think from my, the experience I've seen the last few years, it's probably happened a little bit more. Um, and, and maybe even it was happening a whole, a whole lot around me at the time, but I guess just being injured, I wasn't in the best headspace and I didn't know I wasn't, the, I knew I wasn't loving it, but um, I didn't really have like the the mental capacity at the time to like, kind of fully diagnose kind of you know i'm not that happy doing this but, but or like or to figure it out i was just kind of just kind of keep going with it and um it's when you kind of leave the bubble of that that you realize oh wow there's so much more going on out here in the world and for me that was kind of going to italy and then going to the states uh so yeah that's hopefully i didn't ramble there too much on that <laughs> no not at all not at all I, I love the way you mentioned that bubble and kind of leaving that bubble was that kind of burnout then the catalyst for you to go to Italy and to go to the U- to the US then I presume? Yeah, I, I I was happy man just getting out again because I live ten minutes down the road here in Galway. Um, you know, so I just it was every kind of every what I want where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing. But then the more I got into it, I was kind of mm, I don't know if this actually is exactly what I want to be doing. So for me, um, yeah, thankfully when I got the when I. I was going to say it's weird but thankfully when I got to leave but yeah, that's how I felt about it and it's, uh, thankfully I got to leave um yeah it's played out but yeah I was just it was just kind of like a release valve um there was like no expectation pressure and again a lot of that expectation pressure in reality was it was you know through me really like the of course there's the performance side of things and there's you have contracts coming up and you want to be in game time blah 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 but I'm, a lot of it would have been me and like imagine pressures. Something I tell myself a lot now as well, like don't suffer, imagine struggles. Um, like don't create this narrative in your head that it just isn't reality, but you allow yourself to create a false reality becomes real in your head then and you invest in time, emotion towards that. But um, yeah, for me, it was leaving leaving uh, Connacht and then I went to, to the US just to play amateur like amateur rugby, so very social, um, had a job, so all of a sudden I was in a total just fun environment and I just loved it again. And my performance when I was finishing up here, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I was a shell, a shadow of what I was capable of. And they knew it, I knew it, but it was kind of escaping that that I allowed to myself to have fun and just really release and enjoy it. And uh, I had every intention then of going to, going to study because my body still wasn't right. I had to get shoulder reconstruction. But, okay. Um, I loved it so much. Uh, interestingly, when I was really enjoying it, my shoulder stopped coming out of socket. When I was finishing my day last year in a bit in Connacht, it would just pop out a lot more than I would have told them. Um, it was just coming out quite easily. But interestingly, I went out and played in Canada, America in Boston, really enjoyed it. Uh, and physically, I just felt better. I still, I wasn't by any means great, but I physically felt much better and my shoulder managed to stay intact. So that was good. Um, and then I was going to go study, but I enjoyed that experience so much. I thought to myself, why not? Maybe I need to put myself into a different different environment. So then I looked at some clubs in my age and looked at clubs in England and then something come up to play in Italy. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go do this. So I jumped out and went out to Italy. And unfortunately, that only lasted two months because the shoulder did eventually. It, was, it has to go. But really good experience to put yourself far outside your comfort zone and learn how much, how much kind of, A, you can, you can just 
the, you can have some phenomenal experiences along the way, not just as a plane, but just, you know, uh, away from that. Um, but then as well, like how much when you're kind of in a somewhat more difficult, vulnerable place that it's this huge growth and learning opportunities. And I probably didn't think of it like that at the time. I That's what happened, but I didn't have, again, I wouldn't mentally, I wasn't thinking, well, this is great. This is uncomfortable, but while I'm learning so much about myself, I just, you just live it. But now having got more awareness about these things, you realize how good that was, but yeah, got the shoulder surgery eventually. Um, and that's, then I moved to the States to study and it was in there kind of ever since. Yeah. And how did the opportunity come up to represent the, um, the US national rugby team? Uh, so essentially, if you live in a country for more than three years um, nonstop, you qualify uh, to represent that country. It's since moved to okay. five years, but that's just like a word rugby rule. A lot of people are against it. So it's since moved to five years. Um, but for me, I moved there with no intentions of really playing professional rugby again because the professional league in the States didn't exist. Um, I was also just kind of like, I want to I want to study and just experience just being a student. Um, but then that led to spending, you know, spending my time there in college. And then the pro league did come along and I, I felt really good. My body felt better. So I just jumped in and, you know, the opportunity was to go play in San Diego. So I remember kind of asking them, would I go play there? And I just thought to myself, look, if I, I can give this one more. Like, I was in the interim, I was playing amateur rugby and I started coaching and I loved it. But when the opportunity came up to get back into full-time rugby, I remember part of it was I thought to myself, look, it's San Diego. Even if you don't like the rugby, you, you, you'll be in San Diego. Give it a crack and just you know, like, do yourself justice. Give it one more good go. Um, and then from playing there, uh, things went well. And then got to... 2019 I made my debut for the US team mm-hmm. and did you find that coaching was again this kind of realization like I found with Gaelic football that I got to this phase of playing where I didn't love it but because I was coaching I was like nothing actually beats playing like nothing will ever beat going out and getting on the pitch and being involved was that into the decision as well to go to go back to rugby and go back to go to San Diego and play for the US team or was it just kind of just giving it a go yeah I, I didn't I know a lot of people have that thought kind of you you really makes you appreciate playing um I actually I I love coaching I re- actually really did love coaching um if I was offered a job to be the coach at the time I, uh, maybe about too much to say I was like 27 but I, I no that wasn't a huge motivation that I realized how much I how lucky we are to play um it is true but no it was more, it was more so just kind of like like it's like it's gone in American football for me. My mentality has kind of just been like new experience, new opportunity, jump in and you know see see. You might have a fantastic time, and even if you don't, you're going to learn. There's learning opportunities along the way, so that was probably more so my mindset uh, around that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned there your debut was in 2019. COVID obviously hit 2020, and you mentioned uh, kind of kicking a few American footballs around for the for the crack. What was the where did the original opportunity come up for you to start pursuing this career in American football, and why did you follow it? Why did you pursue it? Yeah, so the world of American football is very different. Um, extreme I've ever been exposed to. Uh, essentially, I just I was just yeah kicking for fun, and then I was told I was quite good, so. I went out to see this uh, kicked in the NFL for 24 years. He's a legend. His name's John Carney. Big, uh, it was good Irish roots. And like he's just sound man. Anyway, I went out to San Diego again. I wasn't living there at the time, but packed my bags, headed out there and just kicked with him. He, he has a lot of the current NFL guys trained there. Okay. So I just got to jump. Like, the first day I was punting, you're kicking and punting. First day I was punting, I'm, you know, the lad in front of me that's punting had won two Super Bowls with uh, CFL. Wow. I didn't have a notion. I didn't have a clue. I knew he looked pretty cool, but I, I did. I, you know, I, I was just jumped in and off I went kind of swinging the leg and just, yeah. Um, but I did a week there and then I sat the guy, John down and just said, look, cause at the time I was like the start and fly half, which is a pretty important position for my team. I'd captain them. Um, our season was upcoming and I was heavily involved in it and everything. Um, and from like obviously on the pitch, but then also off the field, I like they trusted me enough that they I would help them in recruiting or they'd ask my opinion on things. So I I was heavily involved there. And um I when I sat John down, I just kind of asked him, was like, what do you think? And then he just said, Look, you you've been doing this 10, 15 days now. 
Um, and I've seen you kick multiple balls, which are look like NFL quality balls that you've kicked just in this training environment. So, he, like, you know, he wasn't making the decision for me because he understood. I was able to tell him, like, be straight because my alternative is still a good alternative. I'm still kicking the ball. I'm still playing sports. Like, I'm happy there. If that's where I end up. But so I, I let it to, for him to be pretty straight. And yeah, as I said, he, he just mentioned I kicked multiple NFL looking balls, which are not like guys usually don't come in and do that uh, after two weeks. And um, like, I have a lot of talent and like, it's, it's very, it's very kind of exciting opportunity for me if I want to do it, but recognize you're 28 and no one's really done this. You know, no one's not, no one's made it who hasn't kind of played in college or hasn't played at least the sport in a different country. Everyone's played in most people play high school or college. Um, so I was coming in totally raw. So that was just like, you know, the odds of you getting to one of the, one of the major leagues, it's it are low, but you have the kicking ability. So you just need to find someone who's going to give you a chance and recognize, okay, he doesn't have 10 years of American football, but he has 10 years, eight years involved in professional sports, or he's a lifetime of kicking an oval shaped ball. So trying to find an open-minded enough person to, to, to give me that opportunity. Um, so yeah, it was tough to like, leave rugby. It was tough to like tell the team, but I just knew it was the right thing to do. I, I knew in my heart and soul, I was like, this this door will never this door doesn't open for many people. Um it's it's kind of half open there for me now. Like if I don't jump through and just just go for it, I know I'll regret it. I know I because I love kicking, I know I'll regret this. So and about what's the main thing is keep in mind there was no guarantee, as I said, absolutely no guarantees of anything. I just quit my job and then had to move to San Diego and just training. But you know, there was no league coming up, there was no one saying you can come play here. There was nothing. It was just kind of training and you just you just kind of keep your head. It's almost to keep your head down, but um, you're just training, just hoping. That, but at the same time, I was had to record everything, and then I was contacting every team under the sun, any contact I could get, because I had to make them aware of me, because otherwise, you know, I had no college career to fall back on. So that was quite difficult. But um, that was also part. It was a huge part of the journey was kind of bro- trying to like broker myself and sell myself to people, and and. I learned to get comfortable being rejected because usually things are usually gone well for me and within re- for within reason in sport. Um, but you know, you have to, I have to be comfortable just, you know, being told, you know, not getting responsive, being told no or whatever. Like I just knew I, I didn't have time to be, to be kind of timid about it. I had to just jump in. And then through, through that, I learned again, I keep saying I learned a lot, but I did I, how to be comfortable being vulnerable or put yourself out there. And if you get rejected, that's fine. But like, where can you learn from that? And, kind of keep moving forward so that's that's been a huge positive for myself in life in general exactly exactly and what was that conversation like with family with friends look I'm moving here from this sport that everybody knows rugby I've had huge success in this you mentioned there everything's gone well for you to a new sport that maybe people haven't watched before and don't really know or understand just that they didn't know or understand um like just was just met with kind of like what do you because I just got caps for the national team, you know, earlier and um, the year prior. And yeah, it was just, it was just more so like, what are you doing? Uh, not, not, like, not. The, so the American people were extremely supportive because they knew the sport. They have, they have more optimism in general, I think. So I think there was a lot more kind of, you know, like, yeah, go for it, buddy, kind of crack. Um, but I think family and friends in Ireland were a little bit like, like what what you mean like you, you you're going you're going to just like what you have lined up within the sport and I was like absolutely nothing and I've been told I'll probably not get anywhere but I want to try so I think there was initial skepticism and like curiosity but then as to why um a big another kind of thing that I guess made it easier for my family to digest was I was doing my masters online so I said Look, at a bare minimum. I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to have learned a lot about the art of kicking, whether like that, I, and I like to coach, so whether that's coaching in rugby, in Gaelic football, soccer, like there's a lot of transferable skills. So bare minimum, I'm going to come out of it with a, I would say almost unrivaled knowledge because what I got access to in terms of knowledge was phenomenal um, and hopefully a master's degree, worst case scenario. So that quite, you know, that, that made it probably a little bit easier to make, to make the jump. Um, how, at least how I rationalize it to other people to make, you know, so they could understand it a little bit better. 
Mm-hmm. What were those things you picked up? You mentioned like that unrivaled knowledge. I presume that was from the kicking coach you work with in San Diego and other people. What were some of the biggest learning points or lessons you took from originally starting? Like there's always, everyone says when you join a new sport, you progress a lot quicker because it's very easy to, to add 10%. Whereas with rugby, to improve by 1% takes a huge amount of effort. But what were those 10%, 20% that you learned early on? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. That was definitely true. Um, so in rugby, I, I like we never, I never really got formal kicking training. It was just kind of you're good at it, you just keep doing it um, and figure it out. So just things around being a lot more aware of, of my angles, my angles meaning my uh, well the whole body from like my torso, how how I'm leveraging, maneuvering that, my ang- the angle of my foot in terms of my my swing path to make this like the swing mechanics. On the on, on entry to the kick, the angle of my foot and the exit of the kick, what kind of um, lines I'm I'm going down. And rugby, I just you know I hadn't really thought of, I hadn't really thought about those things formally, and it was never really discussed. Um, whereas the NFL guys, all the, literally all they do is kick, so they can go into phenomenal detail in terms of your plant foot, the width of your plant foot, the depth of your plant foot, um, which you know kind of the angle that you have it at. All the all these different things I just never I'd never been aware of in my life. I'd never thought about my plant foot, never thought about my foot angle or different posture stuff. And um, whereas all of a sudden now this is just every day sitting down in the video room because we'd kick in the morning, it would all be recorded, and then we go break it down, as they say, break down the film after, and then you're just going into detail and all this stuff. So they're probably like the biggest blocks of of knowledge that I got uh, or new new knowledge. And as I said, I think it'd be applied to multiple sports, but uh, I guess I was. But at the end of the day, it's not crazy dissimilar. There's a lot of differences, but like from kicking a rugby ball. So I, that's that probably just allowed me to make really big jumps early or pretty big jumps early just because it's still an oval shape ball. Um, yeah. But then you make those big jumps, but all of a sudden I was with the, the best of the best. And, you know, now I remember being like, wow, okay, I can see why these guys do what they do. Or like, I can see why these guys are the best in the world. And like literally the best in the world. There's only 32 teams in the NFL and there's nine in the CFL. So there's like two big leagues, um, NFL being one, CFL being two. So I'm sticking with those guys and uh, I realized yeah, how good they were. But I also that I knew that I was very, very close. Um, but then you, then, but then you, the closer you get to that level, then this, the, the finest of margins be, be, you know, become quite big. Um, and that's, that's something I've learned in the, over the last six or eight months since I've actually got to play this sport. Mm-hmm. It's even, everyone talks about professional football. Sometimes just, it's just the opportunity. That's the difference between, let's say me and you, we could be the same level kicker, but it's just, you got the opportunity and I didn't. Yeah. Who gave you your first opportunity? Who was the first team after um, kind of, as you said, nearly selling yourself for so long, who was the first team to get back to you and to offer you an opportunity? Um, so there's a, there's a league in the U S uh, called the spring league. It's essentially the, it's like a feeder system to the NFL. If, um, so it's basically guys that played in the NFL and got injured and want to get back in. So they have to get game tape. That's a big thing that need to see you're currently active when you're playing or guys that didn't get guys that just missed out on the NFL, but they're still, no, they're still very good players. And, and they, and they just, like you just said, they're probably good enough. They just need the opportunity. So, this league was built for that to give lads an opportunity to, to, to showcase their talents so the NFL scouts can judge you or the NFL CFL scouts can judge you. Um, and for me, the only reason I got in realistic, like I pester the people with emails and just trying to like get, because there's only, I think, six teams. But a big thing for me was I knew if I'm going to get in, I have to sell them on, on what I've done. Because if I just say, hey, I'm new to kick and I want to kick, well, they, you know, they'd say there's another two, 300 guys way more qualified than you who played in college and high school. So I, I, I couldn't, that couldn't be my way in. So I, you know, I had to leverage the fact that, I, you know, played for the team USA national team, um, you know, like, that, like to represent the United States is a big thing, especially in the, in the States. So like, like I've kind of had that experience. It's a, it's a cool story. I'm Irish to potentially give me more fans, more people watching the games. Like I literally have to try and leverage those angles because otherwise, and that, but that's what I did. Um, and thankfully they listened this, they just said, okay, well, uh, you're in. And, uh, so that was my first, first time playing. So yeah, I, I knew I had to be untraditional in my approach because my, nothing about my background was traditional. So if I followed a, a traditional path, you know, nothing was going to happen. So I had to think outside the box a little bit. And how did you find that first experience? I know you later, um, moved over to the European rugby league, but how was that first game? And 
how how did you find yourself growing and developing as a player throughout that 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 spring league? Yeah, it was like the the, the first game was, was mad just because uh, firstly we were playing in this like phenomenal um, stadium in Indianapolis. It's like the NFL team plays there. I was just gonna say the uh, you had a picture, a really cool picture in the stadium it was class. Like just just massive dome, like just huge. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, couldn't think of the name, but you know, I, was, I remember just kind of the lead up to the game and it was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I've, I've been training by myself in San Diego, you know, with, with that group, but in that group, you're wearing shorts, you're wearing a t shirt, you're just kicking. Um, and you just because they just focus on the kicking. And then all of a sudden, when I got into the league, now I'm wearing a helmet, now I'm wearing pads, and now I'm kicking with, you know, 60 people around me because, you know, they got to do, the, you know, there's some guys are on the pitch blocking, holding. And then everyone else is just around. So then all of a sudden in training, I was doing my first ever kicking um, with like 11 v 11, they call it, you know, um, like a, a game scenario. That was like on a Monday. And then like the Friday, I was playing my first ever game. So I only had like two sessions with people uh, and pads and the whole, I'd worn pads, but, but not, it wasn't the real deal. So I remember in the lead up to the game being excited, but also like, just not knowing what's going to happen like just i had no no reference i knew i i knew i was capable but i had no reference points because i had nothing to fall back on um so i remember just going out on the pitch for my or the, the the you know there's four quarters the first quarter goes by and i'm just sitting down just or just kicking into a net or reading my notes or just what just looking around um just killing time and then the second quarter is going by and it's there's literally like seven seconds left in the quarter um so I've probably been sitting down for 45 minutes to an hour at this point, maybe, maybe more. Um, and then eventually, boom, field goal. So I remember, uh, get, you know, I just remember kind of walking out. We talk about processes and stuff, but I remember just kind of walking out and then just getting back, just getting back in my stance. And I literally, I, I don't really remember what happened next. I just remember kicking the ball and looking up and thank, thankfully it was actually one of the sweetest kicks I've ever kicked to the, to date. And I just I was sailing down the middle and I just, as if I woke up again. Um, so I didn't have a system or a process. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird one. It was honestly, it was just a bit surreal. Um, but yeah, like I just, like, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how to fully describe it, but um, yeah, that, that was phenomenal. And then I just remember going over to the sideline and the guys just being like, the, the the you know words word got through the, the the team that that was my first ever kick and you know the guys are like what you mean it's your first ever kick and I was like literally that was my first ever kick and then they say but you what about college or high school um because I didn't broadcast the fact I wasn't super experienced to everyone you miss one or two you get cut you, like you guys get cut every day so I don't right. really give them an excuse although like you know to the league the, the directors I had to I they they were more aware but um all the lads and some of the coaches wouldn't have been aware of how raw, like literally my first ever game. So once word kind of just went down the sidelines and stuff, guys are like, just laughing saying like, you know, they, they call me tiger and just saying like, Do you really like that? that's tiger's first ever, ever, ever kick. Um, and yeah, we were doing it on that stage. Like it was on national TV in the States. Um, so obviously there's a lot of people watching such a big country and in that stadium, um, like was, yeah, it's, a, it's such a cool moment for me, whatever happens, whatever happens here on out, like to, like that was a phenomenal moment um, to have experienced minus the two seconds where, where I wasn't fully, <laughs> where I probably blacked out. But uh, yeah, that, that, that was like, yeah, that was class. And then obviously in the back of that, just like, you know, people were just so supportive and nice because there was a clip, the clip of that kick got a lot of like traction and people, you know, just saying like, what, like this is gas, like who is this Irish fella? Um, what, what's going on? Yeah, and it's it's funny because there is a couple of Irish guys over there. I was looking at a post there. I can't remember exactly how many numbers, but I do know there's a good few kickers. And they recently, um, Georgia Tech and North Carolina played against Georgia. Obviously, the two lads were yeah. there. It's been 45 years since the last Irishman, uh, Neil Dunhu, was played in the NFL. How big will it be for Ireland? Obviously, NFL is very popular here. I think it's grown hugely. And obviously, the Irish NFL show, I know you've been on a few times. How mm. big of it, how big a moment will it be for Ireland when somebody, I think it will happen, when someone does eventually get back to the NFL? Yeah, I'd, I'd, um, judging by what, like, what I've experienced playing the league, the filter leagues uh, coming up the way, like, and the amount of people that have reached out and been supportive and like, you're just highly interested with, with it to see, you know, a lad born and raised here playing Gaelic football, rugby, didn't go to college, didn't play football in college. You know, people are engaging with that and like really supportive. So I think um, 
whether it's me or whether it's one of the lads that are in college now, um, uh, like it'll, I think it would be, be huge, huge kind of titanic moment for the sport here. Um, definitely, definitely would be huge. And hopefully, you know, a big part of how I'm approaching this as well is just trying to be a bit of a pioneer about it all because not everyone's going to, in some ways, I would, it would have been better if I went to college in America or in a lot of ways, it would have been better if I played college football. Um, but part of kind of what I'm thinking is for me has been, it will make it all the sweeter just like to, to have got to, I already feel this way because now that I'm in the CFL is to got where I've gotten. I, I didn't know I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have that breathing ground or that training ground. As I said, my first kick was in an NFL stadium with like half a million people on Fox watching. So I didn't have those moments to kind of learn in a smaller scale or, um, you know, but in insane the lads that you reference there, so I don't want to make it sound bad because like they're playing on a big, big stage. That's phenomenal. huge, yeah. Yeah, phenomenal what, what they're all doing. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I just I've, I didn't really have a whole lot of preparation before that. The learning experience they're getting now, you weren't exposed to that at their yeah. age. It was it you were been, still playing rugby. Yeah, yeah. It would it would have been helpful. It would have been it would have been helpful, for sure. And especially to, to end the NFL. Um, not having even the guy um, Neil Dunn, who they mentioned, like you know, he he played in college in America. Everyone played in college, so I don't have that to my CV, which is is the, it, it's how they judge you. It's it's literally how they judge you. Even they get drafted, signed. So I didn't have the most key ingredient, um, but thankfully I found other ways to to add some value. But uh, yeah, I think whoever gets the opportunity to do that, um, to play in the NFL and like be. Yeah, an Irish fella doing it. The next Irish fella doing it. Um, yeah, it'd be class. It'd be class, and it will happen sooner rather than later. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Out of interest, is kicking more mental or physical skill? What do you think? At this level, mental, like because yeah, everyone's everyone's very good. Everyone's very good, and I, I've been fortunate to sit down with a lot of the guys. The guys that won Super Bowl and stuff, and obviously we we spend a lot of time looking at our swing mechanics, as they call it, but. You know, they, would, they all just say it comes down to the, 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 the mental side of it. It really does. Um, and I've, you know, playing in the spring league and playing in the European league, I realized that because uh, you're such you're such an isolated position, kind of on your own, and you're only in for such a short period of time. So you have a lot of time to yourself and just waiting. And when you're on, you're on to score. Um, and the expectation is you score every time. That doesn't happen for any kicker, but the expectation is you score every time. Um, so mentally, like I've had to learn a lot, or, or I talked about like like kind of detach detaching from external external whatever it may be, um, and just kind of do the focusing on the moment in front of your face. But uh, yeah, that's the the mental side of it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hesitate to say that. Uh, once you get to that level, you need to get good first, obviously. Uh, but then, yeah, at, at that at that level, it, it's it's uh, mental is almost is almost everything because everyone everyone can kick. When you sit down with with players that have you know have been in the NFL have won Super Bowls teams what's the initial conversation like oh I'm from Ireland what what's that like trying to navigate that in a country that some of them have never met somebody from Ireland yeah um I think everyone everyone to be fair everyone loved it like everyone like loved the fact they were like they thought it was gas just because you know they might have heard of a foreign guy playing but you know again he played in college um this guy in college so the they all thought it was gas that, um, yeah, that I, I just hadn't, you know, like when I met that guy, for example, the Super Bowl winner, you know, like I was saying, oh, that day was my first time ever having the ball snap to me so I could catch and kick it. Usually when I was punting, it'd just be me and my own. So I'd have it in my hand. I'd take three steps and give it a kick. Whereas like that day was my first time having a guy rip it back. And he was like an NFL snapper. So he just threw a bullet like towards my belly button. And I was just, I remember the first one catching it and being like, wow. Uh, so they all thought it was gas that, that like, you know that I'm I'm trying to do what I'm what I'm yeah trying to do what I'm trying to do um and like so, so yeah supportive yeah but they just thought it was just it was just mad they love but they love the fact that I was Irish love the fact that I had a rugby background you know everyone was excited to say oh you you probably can't wait to tackle and things like that and obviously I was like I'd laugh it off and say yeah but I do if you're tackling something's gone wrong um but yeah yeah they they, they were they were all very, like very supportive but just kind of they just hadn't really seen someone do this i guess yeah yeah exactly you meant we were talking before we hit record about uh you were in the canaries recently kind of all your training can you talk us through i assume at the moment you're very individualized you don't have an nfl kicking coach here in ireland or when you were in the canaries what do you do by yourself on the pitch and you even mentioned mobility and stretching is nearly your routine now for the next few months 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's gas because I, I, in rugby, for example, you'd kick the day before the game. You go to the stadium, you'd, have a, you'd, you'd kick a good few kicks and things like that. Whereas in football, 48 hours out, you don't swing your leg. Like it's all about, um, what's he say, conservation and preservation. Like they're, they're just so kind of dialed in. So as a result, from a kicking perspective, I might only do like three sessions a week, um, three kicking sessions a week, just because it's a pretty violent motion because when rug- in rugby and Gaelic, we don't swing, we don't have the same swing path and we don't have the same extension or because bo- we're on the move. Uh, so as a result of, of this, you, like it's, it rips your lower back, your hips, um, com- the, all the torque, it, com- it comes under a lot of duress doing that. So as a result, your sessions are usually shorter um, and like an, like an hour session, but you, you, you're not kick. you might kick maybe a hundred, not even, not even, maybe like, no, not even close. Sorry. Like 50 balls. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, just, be, um, just because, but 50 balls that you're fully committing to kicking and uh, you might do a few little kind of warm-ups and stuff, but maybe 50 balls max where you're, you're, you're hundred percent committing to the kick. Um, but yeah, out there, I was just trying to get three sessions in a week. It was extremely windy, um, which I guess it's a small island and it's exposed so that, that happens um we're just trying to do three kicks a week and then every you know you, you hit the gym you go to the gym like five four four to five times and then try and get as much yoga i was doing a lot of yoga so yoga was my stretch and then just okay. a lot of yoga but uh yeah it was tough it was it, it was tough because the whole, you know i moved out there to spain to train to be ready if a call comes but as recently as two weeks ago we were sitting down journaling and kind of wondering like because as it turns out, some professional rugby teams started reaching out to me and said, hey, would you want to come back and play like now? Because uh, the American season's underway. So I, I know I didn't want to do, but I got to a point where I was like, damn, I've been pretty much unemployed for the most part of the last year and a half. And it doesn't feel like my phone's been, you know, ringing here. So literally as recently as two weeks. But then again, you just kind of go back to like, when you're the first one to try and kind of go through and do something and there's, there's no path laid out there, like, there's no path. I'm tr- you know, you have to figure out the path, hopefully more to come behind you. Um, but you realize that you're going to have those moments where you're just trying to be, it's not going to be easy, but just kind of stick with it and just trust yourself. And, um, thankfully a, a call came last week or 10 day, whatever it was 10 days ago. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I spent most of the time in, in Spain. I've asked a number of guests this question, particularly anyone at the professional level. Um, what's your take on the phrase "do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life"? Yeah, um, I well, I, I like now I'd say yes, but uh, there was times where it's you know, like I said, when I was playing rugby here in Ireland, it would be, most definitely became a job um, versus something I love. So, like. Like there's been times it's been yes, there's been times it's, it's been no for me. But I, I do remind myself, I do definitely remind myself a lot um, now in football that like you're doing what you're doing what ten year old Ty would have been jumping over the moon to do and ecstatic. So like to not take that for granted, like because work is fun. Um, but I I do understand though that for some people like it can definitely it can definitely become a job and become a slog. Um, and I so I I experienced that myself. So. Uh, and that's when I change it from I play rugby to like in my head it's almost oh I'm going to work. Whereas you know like when you're having a good time it it is more that play fun element. So that's not that I say to other people, but like that. But that's probably kind of how I thought about it at the time. It, it became a job that I didn't necessarily enjoy a whole lot, um, and people you know, find that hard to believe at times. Because but you know that's just how how it went, how it was for me. And th- thankfully I discovered my love for it again, and now I'm doing something different. But yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, how I'd look at that. That's a non-committal answer. Ends. When, throughout your whole career, throughout all the sports, everything you've played, what's the biggest lesson you've learned from sports? Is there anything that just stands out to you? Don't care. Don't care. Don't take, like, well, if you wouldn't take advice from the person, don't take criticism. Um, That's, like, straight away, like, don't, and, and like, don't care what other people are kind of thinking about you and judging. Um, Again, I was quite fearful at the start to do this because it's like, oh, what if I fail? Or what people say, you know, blah blah blah, um, and then I just kind of realized, like, what does that does that actually matter? Does that does that matter what some fella on bloody Twitter that has a weird <laughs> name that I don't know? Does that matter? With no, zero followers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, does that matter? No, it doesn't. So, like, that, that's yeah. yeah. It, it, if I wouldn't take advice from them, I'm not going to take criticism. Not that people are lining up to give criticism, but just the idea, the fear of failure. If so, if so, but like, just embrace the journey, embrace the opportunity that you have. And um, so that's something that, yeah, I just I just don't attach half as much 
um, weight or any weight really to, to, to pe- you know, other people and what they think about what it is I'm doing. If they, if they support great, if they don't, fair enough. Um, like I'm just going to keep, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. So that, that's something that I probably wish I thought, I wish I knew earlier. Like it, it just, it just is irrelevant. Like I say, those external stuffs, like stuff like that's, that's an example of other people's thoughts about you. Pure external has no relevance to, to what you can control and the sphere of control. That's another thing I, I spend a lot of time on. Um, they're, they're not in that sphere of control. So don't, don't, don't give them a door in. Um, and how you do, how you open the door is by caring what they think. Um, a little bit so yeah that's that's kind of how I look I like that analogy there with the doors obviously you signed with a team in CFL uh, goals moving forward what are you hoping to achieve over the next two to five years what where we hope to see you now over the next couple of months obviously in Canada but beyond that yeah um, yeah now that I'm I'm playing in a legitimate big stage for like a big organization um, that's going to be like I'm just happy, ha- delighted to be. Well, first of all, there's no guarantees either in this sport. You can get cut after a day. So that is a, a real business transaction, ruthless side to it all. But, it, you know, again, as long as I like, win there and commit to it and really get after it, like attack the opportunities I get. If I, if, if I do get cut, at least, you know, I, I, I threw myself at it. I didn't kind of just try and chip it over and play it safe. So um, in the short term, I'm just fo- focused on going in there and winning the, winning the job, hopefully as a kicker, as a punter, um, ideally both. And then, you know, this, the town I'm playing for, Hamilton, it, uh, I think they get like 20, 25,000 every week. They look like they love it, big, big support. So just trying to go in there and just, yeah, just, just do like, I'm kind of flying the flag for the, for the Irish. So like, you know, show that we're more than capable because a big, a big motivation for me is open the door, is paving the path. Um, I, th- I think that's like, it can be really cool experience for me to have a unique thing and help others because um, it's so nice the message you get with, Anyway, I'm going off a bit of a tangent there. No, no, not at all. Would you get many messages from younger kids? Yeah, yeah, lo- yeah, no, loads. Um, probably from like yeah, like to ten years of age up to maybe like twenty five. Um, because I think we in Ireland like, we're good at kicking, like we we go yeah. doing it, so we love it. And you know, like there's 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 like I would have I would have been very interested in watching the you know someone in my shoes existed when I, when I was younger. Cause I'd be like, Definitely. wow, you just, you just kick. Like that's like, you have to focus on kicking and not kicking alone. So anyway, that's, um, that's something that I, I think will be like really, yeah, it's, it's a motivation to, to, obviously I want to do my own things as well, but like, it's definitely part of the journey is, 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 is like, I use the kind of analogy in my head a lot. It's like kind of going through a forest and there's no path and it's overgrown and like yeah. someone has to chop it down. Someone has to open up a path. So even this one in the gym telling myself that, um, yeah, but that's it's, 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 so. Yeah, I guess that that's the motivation. But um, yeah, for me, just perform perform in Canada. They they've given me the opportunity now. You know, a platform to go do it. Ideally, I want to go in there, dominate it, and the, the NFL comes comes next year. Like that's that's the perfect. That's the plan. That's the plan. Sure, that's the plan. But um, you just if you just kind of keep keep every day, keep getting small wins. Another thing I tell myself a lot: keep stacking up small wins. Regard like you don't have to be too big but just keep making that progression and uh yeah the short term that's all i can do and if i keep stacking the wins together um you know doors will continue to open up so that's that's uh that's where my head's at brilliant i'm going to move on to sideline seven it's the same seven questions at the end of every episode i just realized i didn't actually send you these so sorry in advance so take your time with these okay yeah sorry so question one what is your favorite quote and you've mentioned loads of different triggers and phrases throughout so i'm interested to hear what would be your even if you want to pick a top three if you have a couple uh well you miss 100 percent. you miss 100 percent of shots you don't take like i tell myself that a lot wayne gretzky i'm pretty sure um so, Michael Scott, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that, but it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's a better one. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's uh, it's it's just true. So I just kind of keep telling myself, like, just just like keep shooting, and if it if it lands, it lands. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But at least you took the shot. So that's uh, that's that's what comes off my head, um, off the top of my head there. Brilliant. Uh, question two: What's the best sporting event you've been to, and you can pick one as a fan or one as a player? Oh yeah. Um, Probably actually a fan. Um, when Ireland beat the All Blacks in Chicago a few years ago, that was living in the states. That was a that was a like a class weekend just because it was a huge moment for the Ireland doing it for the first time. Like yeah, it's I think it's cool to see people kind of break down barriers that hadn't been done before. And uh, yeah. 
so yeah that that's as a fan would have been would have been witnessing that it was cool it was good crack i knew some of the lads in the team and it was good fun that, that evening but yeah that, that's that's what jumps out of me good stuff what's been your biggest setback or challenge so far in your career and how did you react to it uh definitely just getting my shoulder my shoulder reconstructed when i felt um it was just trying to figure out you know i was going to go down the academic route at that point but i I didn't really, I, you know, I was never massively academically inclined at the, at least at that back then. And cause I just said, I'm going to play sports. So uh, school isn't that important, but that's obviously not true. That's what we kind of at the time, but I'd say there's maybe just a little bit when I was kind of, when it first happened and uh, just when I was, when I was trying to get past it and just when I was playing, I was a shadow of my former self. So that was kind of quite, quite difficult. Um, but then again, thankfully that happened because it opened up all the other opportunities I've since had. Exactly. Uh, question four, what's been your biggest achievement on or off the pitch? Um, oh, actually, it's definitely what just happened the last week. The fact that I've actually got to the CFL. I think I'm the, I think, I'm, I, I think some guys that have been born in Ireland have played in it. But like I said, they, they were born in Ireland, but then they kind of emigrated or they played in high school or they played in college in the state, Canada. So I'm very proud of the fact that I've managed to find a way there without, without have, having had those experiences mm. looking back what advice would you give your 18 year old self as i said earlier don't care don't care like don't don't attach any and so it's a curse other people's opinions are relevant and don't don't attach any don't don't give it the night don't give it time don't give it your emotional energy don't just don't put anything towards it because it's absolutely irrelevant and it's ne- obviously negative but it's out it's not going to enhance who you are or how you perform so like what's the point of engaging with that um so yeah other people's thoughts and opinions let them have it but it's it, it, you don't control it so it, it doesn't matter question six who would be your dream dinner guest and why and you can open up the table to a couple of people if you want jeez i'm trying to think well since i've been living in the states um i found tom brady phenomenal he's like 44 or something crazy mad like just to maintain that level of excellence um like just to tap into someone's brain like that um yeah i guess it's going on the standard athlete route but i just do find that absolutely phenomenal that some, yeah. someone that someone could do that uh so i mean i'll have a one-on-one sit down with him and i'll bring the notepad along and uh, be asking any questions so i'll be happy with that brilliant final question before i let you go if your life was a book what chapter would this be called oh is that new beginnings like this new beginnings yeah i feel like this is kind of there's a new there's a new big new chapter to be written here so um yeah i'm in that kind of transition stage starting a new journey brilliant if there's anyone listening that wants to keep up with your story where's the best place to kind of follow you in terms of social media yeah um on, on either any instagram or twitter i suppose um and it's just my user the fact my name is a bit unique my username is literally just that just at uh, tig leader easy find brilliant look tig thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really enjoyed this this chat uh, the very best luck with everything in canada and beyond i'm looking forward to keeping in touch Cheers. Thank you very much. Enjoyed. I enjoyed chatting there. Said a lot. Hopefully it's somewhat interesting, but yeah, cheers and for what you're doing as well. It's great. It's nice to kind of have a different, some different questions which you asked, which um, let me think, but really enjoyed. A massive thank you to Tyke for joining me on the podcast today. I'll be sure to leave all of his social media links in the description box below if you'd like to keep up with his journey. I just want to wish him the very best of luck as he jets off to Canada very soon. If you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does help the show grow. A big thank you to Actimed for sponsoring this episode and to you for listening.